Hi, Evan. Hi. How are you? I'm doing all right. Yeah. It's sunny out. It's sunny out. We're recording a podcast. Can life get better than this? Do we have puppies? I guess it can. Welcome, everybody, to episode 22 of the Handsome Hockey Podcast. My name is Jake, and I'm here with my previously introduced colleague, Evan. Hi, I'm Evan. (laughs) We are coming to you live, well... It was, it's live for us, but it'll be recorded for you from Portland, Oregon, sunny Portland, Oregon, in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. And we're going to talk some hockey with you today. We're rapidly approaching what could be the weirdest or the most vanilla trade deadline ever. Obviously, still living in a pandemic, still living in a COVID time, despite what Texas and Florida say. <laughs> and Mississippi. And Missi- who gives a fuck about Mississippi? Ain't that the truth? Mississippi doesn't give a fuck about Mississippi. <laughs> Mississippi's motto is, it's here. <laughs> you know the song. <laughs> yeah. So, remember when you were like seven and being able to spell Mississippi was like a badge of honor? Yeah. So like, people would be like, oh, who are spell. you? I, I can spell Mississippi. And you're like, you mean the easiest state really to spell? Cool. You just double all the consonants. Put an I in between them. Jerks. <laughs> so anyways, trade deadline. It could be on one side, per the Athletics Craig Custance, a lot of teams have been given the directive to mm-hmm. cut salary for this the rest of the season. You yeah, see, uh, nobody's got money, right? Well, they've got plenty of money. They just don't want to spend it and put it back into the poor people's hands. With a bunch of teams being given the directive to cut payroll, you're going to see very few buyers. Theoretically, you'll see very few buyers here at this upcoming trade deadline. The other thing is, if you are playing in America and get traded to a Canadian team, you got two weeks off to sit and cool your jets in Winnipeg. And in that case, you know, making that trade, you're really kind of hamstringing yourself unless you make it now. Right. And the North Division is so bonkers anyways. Like, who knows? Like, Calgary could be in first place in three weeks. We don't know. It's, (laughs) it's, It's nuts. Well, Toronto's dialed in. After that, it's kind of like, grab bag big big question mark (laughs) there's a bunch of interesting things that are kind of in play here but at the same time there are going to be teams that think they're one player away one third line left winger away from (laughs) contending for a championship and they're willing to give up a third round pick for them or a first round pick in the past we have seen a transition from pure rentals being traded at the trade deadline Mm -hmm. with barkley goodrow and blake coleman last year as two examples Guys who are on fairly solid contracts for what they produce, but have term left. They have one, two, maybe three years left. Right. Teams are willing to pay a premium for a player that they'll control for a number of years afterwards. They're not willing to pay a first round pick for a guy who's only going to be there potentially for three months. With the financial uncertainty right now, though, teams might be more apt to do that because oh, well, we're only going to pay half of this guy's salary for the rest of this year, and we're not on the hook for anything for him for the rest of, like, after this year. Mm -hmm. So 
hopefully obviously revenues return next year we'll have fans back in games all that good stuff but it's still way up in the air and we don't know yeah and going from canada to the u.s there's no stipulated quarantine right or is that i thought it was a week but okay i don't know but yeah, it's like it's like worse than buying a gun in America. You, That's easy. You, you right. You only have to wait three days. You think about uh, it, and you have a gun in your hand, just like <laughs> it just Edward Norton in Fight Club. Getting an asset that you really you know need for two critical weeks, probably to get used to your system as you go into the playoffs, and you have to time it up with this extra quarantine time in mind. Yeah, that's going to have a chilling effect, no doubt. So with all of these kind of things hanging over the trade deadline we wanted to break down some people who we thought were kind of obvious candidates so maybe not as obvious candidates Mm -hmm. and then people who are going to get talked about a lot but it's not going to happen kind of guys right there's a lot of talk in the media now about certain guys and some speculation on some other guys and you know i think these people that were kind of bringing the forefront some of them aren't getting talked about in in some of these other uh, avenues so so the first person that we want to bring up is Tony D'Angelo. <laughs> <laughs> We're just fucking kidding. He's not going anywhere. But uh, I mean, he has requested to play with the AHL team and they said, no, get your ass traded. Yeah. So, you know, it, he could he could move, but he could move into a new one bedroom apartment downscaling from a two bedroom apartment. <laughs> one bedroom was for him. The other bedroom was for all of his Nazi memorabilia. <laughs> Okay, we don't know if Tony D'Angelo is a Nazi. He just wears a lot of Hugo Boss. Yeah. <laughs> lots of Adidas, lots of Puma. Also drives a Volkswagen. Okay, so for realsies. And, well, not really for realsies, but in serious land. The first person we're going to talk about, and we're just going to get this out of the way, is Jack Eichel. He doesn't seem long for Buffalo, does he? He doesn't seem long for Buffalo, but I, with that contract and the parts that it would take to get Jack Eichel, mm-hmm. I just don't see it happening. That's that's a summer trade. That's not right. a that's not a midseason trade. Yeah, he's not going to a contender because you have to either trade your whole farm for him or hollow out your contention for him. So yeah, that's a really dangerous trade to make. And yeah, I think it, it's not happening in season. Even though holy hell, does that situation Buffalo not look? sustainable ralph krueger might be fired by the end of this podcast by the end of recording <laughs> today the catch is here so jack eichel currently doesn't have a no movement clause but after the end of i believe next season he, does. he gets one yeah. it's either 2022 or 2023 but once that happens he only gets traded where he wants to be traded and right. you're effectively hamstrung so if you are going to trade him if you are if you're th- if you're buffalo if you're kevin adams you go, there's no way this is tenable. There's no way this is going to work out. I got to get as much as I can from him. And you can get so much for Jack Eichel. Mm-hmm. A- like, absolutely. He's a great player. Much like anything in Buffalo, his star has diminished a bit this year. But, you know, that's fine. Yeah, you get the sense that that's just because they're not playing well and, you know, he's getting exhausted. Watching Buffalo play is like watching an acquaintance die in, in quicksand for me. <laughs> Because something that we were told was going to be way bigger deal yeah. in our lives. I've liked Buffalo from afar. I mm-hmm. like they're a small market. They're right. in a traditional hockey hotbed. They have cool jerseys. They yep. have a cool history. I love Dominic Hasek. I love Pat LaFontaine. I really have been an admirer of Buffalo from from afar for a long time. Yeah, same. And so so they're they're not my best friend, 
they're not one of my besties but i like them Mm -hmm. and then you just watch them like get into that quicksand pit and just turn around and be like no i can get out of this (laughs) but you know you can't and like jack eichel is like holding on to a vine trying to pull himself out of the pit but the vine has a tenuous grip on a tree and you know it's just a matter of time before it snaps we're looking at a situation in buffalo where it's like everybody's sad except for taylor hall because he's getting paid (laughs) more about which later Just to kind of wrap, we, I, we said we were just going to kind of like breeze through Jack Eichel and we've not talked about him for five minutes. That's but. fine. Okay, real quick. Yes or no. And then we'll move on. Yeah. Do you trade Jack Eichel if you're Kevin Adams this summer? I try. I say yes. Because I mean, you can get a ton for him. How many other GMs are in bad situations that are willing to give you a premium for him? Like You're going to have to give up everything to get Jack Eichel. Mm-hmm. So... Potential trade partners for them, I think, the Rangers, the Kings, Boston. Like, if you're the Kings, you've got prospects galore, high-end, ready-to-be-in-the-NHL prospects, Mm -hmm. and picks. If you're Boston, your farm system kind of sucks, so you're probably giving up one of Pasta or McAvoy, because you're not giving up Bergeron or Marchand. You're not giving up old guys to get Eichel. You're giving up a young stud. What if it's just a shit ton of picks, though? I, I don't think picks get cycle. You think, I think it's gotta it, be you a, have to have NHL-ready talent. Yeah, you're, yeah, or a combination thereof. Yeah. One of my favorite things on Twitter this week was watching fans of every other team in the NHL that isn't Buffalo saying, oh, this is what it'll take to get Eichel. And it's like their second line left winger and a first round. And you're like, yeah, no. Uh, cute. No. <laughs> nice try, buddy. <laughs> like, like I was talking to my brother about it. And I said, if I'm the wings, anybody but Cider and Raymond and Larkin, and I'm in. And then I was like, no, because you'd have to trade some of those guys to get Jack Eichel. He's a franchise center. He's one of the best centers in the league. You're you're going to give up those guys for him. So moving on, I haven't seen this name pop up on the multitude of lists that came out. No joke, Evan and I, as we were wrapping up last week, we're like, oh, we should do our trade deadline episode next week. And then every news media or every nhl media outlet in the world was like here's the trade deadline <laughs> and we're like well poopy pants <laughs> i guess we have to do it yeah. or and also then just not seem original at all yeah uh, the next one i i think is james reimer that's no reimer reason i've always wanted that as a fan- fantasy name gotta draft him man <laughs> so so james reimer is right now the number one goalie in carolina however Peter Mrazek should be back probably this week and was brilliant before he went down. And Alex Nedeljkovic has really blossomed. So you have three goalies in Carolina. In a normal year, one if you have three goalies, one of them is expendable. And to me, it seems like James Reimer would be that guy. He and Mrazek are both out of contract this year. They're both UFAs. Oh, okay. However, Reimer is three years older. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nadelkovic is really young. I think he's like 24. Right. And there are going to be a couple of teams out there. Colorado, Pittsburgh, Minnesota, and all of the Canadian teams could use goaltending help. And for a 32-year-old goalie who's out of contract, it's probably only going to cost you a third or maybe a fourth round pick mm-hmm. to get James Reimer. So there's not a huge waste there. I think he goes. I think he moves. Yeah. I think the uh, preponderance of factors says that's likely to happen what you said about colorado and grubauer i think that's a perfect fit 
Yeah, Grubrauer is always hurt. Uh, their actual backup is hurt. Mm-hmm. And in um, Pavel Francouz and Hunter Miska has played like three games in the NHL. Is that a guy you want going in as your two two G behind a guy who gets hurt frequently into the playoffs? Probably not. So Jake Vertanen, he was almost traded a week ago. Yeah, close swing and a miss. Probably likely to happen. Honestly, if he didn't have the contract he has, he would probably be a swing that steve eiserman takes in detroit mm. i mean he did so with brendan perlini and robbie fabry and adam ernie last year perlini flamed out massively but robbie fabry worked out really well mm-hmm. adam ernie got himself a second contract he's a good fourth line guy i guess yeah but they're just overpaying him yeah at three plus million next year that's not taking a chance on somebody like that's that's a that's a real money especially in this economy mm-hmm. so but the canucks can't exactly afford to retain that much salary No, their cap situation in two years will be good. They've got a lot of contracts coming off the books next year. But they also have to pay Patterson and Hughes. Hughes. uh, So, yeah, that's an interesting one. Does someone take him for pennies on the dollar to eat the contract, too? Like, that that could be interesting. I mean, yeah, I love Arizona or Detroit maybe doesn't want that. But uh, these other teams that you've listed here sound perfect. You know, so, Ad, uh, Ottawa or Anaheim. There is talk, and I'm not. We're not going to go down this rabbit hole. Maybe we'll go down in the off season, but of Elias Pettersson being traded. Yeah, I would not want to be the Canucks right now. I mean, you posed a really good question: which would you rather be, the Canucks, the Red Wings, or Buffalo? And arguably, I would pick either Buffalo or the Red Wings over the Canucks. Absolutely. The I mean the 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 big question there is. At first, I would say the Sabres because they have the pieces. They have Darlene, they have Ristolainen, they Mm -hmm. have Eichel. You know, they have pieces. They have a terrible cap situation with contracts that aren't going anywhere. And they have terrible ownership. And, you know, Kevin Adams, he's in his first year as a GM there. Like, maybe he's great. I don't know. But he also signed Taylor Hall to an $8 million contract. Who knows? But if Eichel wants out, you immediately lose the most obvious building block for your team. Mm -hmm. And if Eichel's gone, I immediately say I'd rather be the Red Wings. You have tons of cap space. You have tons of prospects coming up. You have ownership who absolutely wants to build a winner. And you have Steve fucking Eisenman. (laughs) So, like, I would take both of those teams over the Canucks who have seemingly stupid ownership, a bad GM. And a really bad contract situation when you have to pay your stars now. Yeah, they have so much wrapped up in their bottom six. It's kind of ridiculous. Uh, But so, yeah, Vertanen, I think Benning wants to get that deal done. He's going to have to eat more than he wants. There was a trade proposed that almost went through between the Ducks and them for Danton Heinen and Vertanen. Just the two of them? Just the two. (laughs) They couldn't make the money work, and Anaheim wasn't willing to eat that big of a contract. You're going to have to lower your asking price, I think, if you're Jim Benning, and that means probably retaining a little bit of salary. But like honestly, if you retain $1 million of that salary and you get Vertanen off your books for the other $2.4 million or whatever it is, isn't that kind of worth it? I don't know. Probably. Yeah, probably. Benning in the media also adds to the... He's so dumb. Yeah, we say that, but... You know damn well he's probably not actually that dumb, but damn, what does he do his best job in the media to make you think he's dumb? I think he is dumb. <laughs> when have NHL GMs, 
outside of a couple proven that they're not dumb. It's just a bunch of old white dudes who think in their old white dude ways and are just flippant with money. Yeah, well, I mean, he has sure. a- Kyle Ocposo, six million <laughs> a year. A broken, shattered Eric Carlson, 11 and a half million a year forever. Well, and to his credit, Benning's bad contracts individually are not those. He has a preponderance Louis of- Louis Erickson. Yeah, he has preponderance of- smaller bad contracts it's like death by a thousand cuts as opposed to one stab there are some cities where you have to pay a little bit extra to get guys to come to you because people just largely don't want to play in that city i'm guessing vancouver isn't the city (laughs) vancouver you maybe have to pay people extra because it's just so damn expensive to live there yeah but But like it's awesome (laughs) yeah it's it's not like benning is like oh well to get antoine roussel here we had to give him three million a year like that's that's not how it goes no he sort of seems to me like he has a tendency to sign optimistic contracts and that's kind of what it looks like and and they've gone the other way and yeah who's left at the end of the season to pick up the pieces there is going to be really interesting you know how probably not jim benning Right. And, and maybe not even Travis Green. Right. Is Travis Green there? Uh, Travis Green will inevitably pivot to another job because he's a pretty actually decent coach. But yeah, it's pretty hard to see Jim Benning as an NHL GM again, other than the fact that NHL GMs are just the all, same recycled. All of these fucking people men. get recycled. Like Brian Burke just got another job at a prestigious NHL team with multiple superstars on it yeah but they didn't just hire him they hired the other guy too yeah i mean they hired ron hextall who may or may not be good also they are flailing i mean if you talk about a flailing move like that is a little bit of a flail i think in my opinion you're getting close to the end of the crosby cup window it's maybe already closed but you're doing everything in your power to reopen it or just bang on it angrily like a bobcat in a trash can yeah (laughs) speaking of a bobcat in a trash can sam bennett he's been (laughs) trying to get out of calgary for seemingly forever and to me doing it in a relatively professional way he's playing harder and he gets the chance he didn't say anything publicly his agent said yeah my client wants trade he just doesn't really fit with that team he's a another guy with a high pedigree who has uh, he was a very high draft pick who has not lived up to expectations we'll Well, say he's also a dump and chase forward on a fundamentally puck possession team yeah and he's he's an rfa at the end of this year so you would get some team control with Mm -hmm. him if you traded for him he his salary is two and a half million it's not terrible it's kind of weird that calgary has not really been able to make him into a serviceable nhler but that seems more on calgary than sam bennett yeah i fully agree so maybe some potential fits for him Uh, maybe vancouver and maybe vancouver does a swap with with jake vertanen i don't know does that money look like it would make it possible? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't looked at the trade. I mean, you could see him going there. Anaheim, I think. Uh, the Kings could use some help. I like your obviously. last one best, though. Minnesota. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. They're a fun team that could use a guy like Sam Bennett. What a world. Talking about the Minnesota Wild as fun. Yeah, f- fuck my life. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, it's great. It's It it's makes the, me happy. The Kaprizov effect. Like, all it of a is. sudden, they have, like, this otherworldly talented guy who skates on his edges like Brian Boitano. <laughs> and we're like, oh, they can be fun with just one guy. Zach Parise, still not fun, but... <laughs> 
Kaprizov is <laughs> Ryan a lot Suter of fun. Ryan is still not fun. But they've also got some other decent pieces that have also made the team fun, but it, it really yeah. is the Kaprizov. Next is Taylor Hall. More Buffalo. <sighs> Back to Beefalo. Uh, yeah. Taylor Hall has a no movement clause and has said he is loving his time in Buffalo. So so weird. The puck soup guys postulated this. I forget which one, so I'm just going to say puck soup guys, but I mm-hmm. think it's very true. Nobody has damaged their reputation as a player more in the last year than Taylor Hall. You made all this noise about wanting to join a contender. <laughs> I'm going to be a contender, rock. Then you just take the big money offer to a team that sucks. And you've not succeeded in ever joining a contender? I mean, he was traded twice, so that's not all his fault. Mm-hmm. But um, for one, Adam Larson has more goals than he does this year. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Talk about relitigating that trade. We ripped Edmonton and then... Mm, Rightfully so. Yeah, but Adam Larson contributing on maybe the second best team in the North Division. Maybe, yeah. I, I, I think the second best team in the North Division is just an asterisk. <laughs> Taylor Hall still, man, you put him on the second line in Boston and maybe he remembers that he's a good hockey player. I don't know. Yeah, that's also part of the problem is he just doesn't look good in the ice. He looks like he can't skate side to side anymore and he's not really creative. Yeah, he also fell over the blue line last night or yesterday. So, or was that today? I think it was today. Either way, he fell over the blue line on a breakaway. (laughs) tripped over it and you know i know it's a speed bump but (laughs) most guys learn how to uh, how to avoid it you're only allowed to do that in the outdoor game yes well while the ice is turning into a bog so (laughs) i honestly i don't see taylor hall getting traded either i think he's done i think he finishes out the year then he signs a probably overpay contract somewhere else after this year. I think it's going to be funny that when he signs another contract and it's not $8 million, it's like five or six. And then that team is good. And then he remembers he's Taylor Hall. And so yeah. he's like, hi, I won the heart. I'm going to score all the goals now. Yeah, he, like, Talk about a mercurial yeah, talent. Like he goes to like Florida and blows up or something. Like just, That would happen. Yeah. I mean... Him with Barkov would be sweet. Yeah, and Barkov's never had a winger like Taylor Hall. No, but he's also making Verhege and Anthony De- Duclair. Duclair look amazing. Yeah. I mean, when Duclair can stay healthy. I think Taylor Hall is perfectly happy collecting a paycheck in Buffalo and just waits out the year. But if he were to get traded, my probably, I think Boston, Florida, or Washington. Washington think, seems like a. a he would immediately fit. be one of the youngest guys on the team. Like. <laughs> so yeah our youth movement is yeah it's 27 trading for taylor hall (laughs) next i'm gonna throw this one out there we recently referenced the craig custance trade board at Mm -hmm. at the athletic athletic tucked away in a snippet about a couple of different red wings players who have super easy easily movable contracts and are that are expiring this year was a brief note that caused a firestorm in Detroit Red Wings land <laughs> was that Steve Iserman, who I know I probably say this too much, but I'm going to remind you all is the greatest hockey player of all time. <laughs> Steve Iserman is taking calls on Anthony Mantha and Tyler Bertuzzi. Rumor is, and this was strictly a rumor on that article, Mantha and Bertuzzi are potentially tradable pieces at this point. 
I could see Mantha getting traded. I really don't see Tyler Bertuzzi getting traded. I think he actually has a higher value to the Red Wings because Tyler Bertuzzi is always going to be Tyler Bertuzzi. Mm -hmm. And Tyler Bertuzzi is a pretty damn good hockey player. And he's marketable. Yeah, he's probably, if you're a good team, he's probably a two, he's on your set, he's in your middle six. And he puts in 20 goals, 25 goals, and he's a physical force. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a guy that you would absolutely love to have on your team and want to punch in the face when he's not. Yeah. He's an Andrew Shaw. And the Red Wings need him. Mantha is probably the most skilled guy on the Red Wings right now. Larkin, maybe, but he just doesn't seem to have it this year for whatever reason and and his ability to be traded and be valuable to another team is probably slipping away a little bit maybe but he also if he is the anthony mantha that anthony mantha usually is he's actually on a really reasonable contract for that anthony mantha it's Mm -hmm. like it's under six million a year and it's for three more years after this so you're getting a ton of term and a reasonably good contract for a guy who would probably bounce back in the right situation i think he's much more tradable than tyler bertuzzi and I think he's also the player as a Red Wings fan that I would more like to be out of the Red Wings. <laughs> like, yeah. I th- if it's between Bertuzzi and Mantha, I choose to keep Bertuzzi. There's a decent chance that that might be another summer deal type thing. Deciding on a price for him would be really hard because like, you're probably not getting a first round pick, you think? I think that's a hockey trade. You think that's a hockey trade? Yeah. So here's who I throw out uh-huh. is Rasmus Ristolainen. For Mantha? For Mantha. And maybe the Sabres throw in like a sixth rounder. That's my guess on Buffalo is like Rasmus Ristolainen's the first to go. And that's that's pulling out the cornerstone of the building that makes it all fall apart. Yeah. Risto for Mantha seems like it's in the realm of reasonable. And this is just me going, oh my God, Rasmus Ristolainen's. <laughs> oh, I love that guy. He's not a, he's not a great NHLer, but he is such a dick, and I would love him. I to think be on he's the Red I Wings. think he's pretty decent. He's a very no, he's a very good player. He's not a great player. He's a very good player. Mm-hmm. But like throwing him on a first or second pair, I mean, he's a right D. We would have Cider, Hronik, and Risto on the right hand side for years. Mm-hmm. That's I'm all about. Next is also guys who I would. Love to see the Red Wings trade for Jake Bean and Hayden Flurry down in Car- Carolina. Carolina, as per usual, has a ton of defensemen prospects, all of whom are good. With the expansion draft coming, Carolina not going to be able to keep all of their coveted assets on the back line. So they've got Dougie Hamilton, Jacob Slavin, Brady Shea, Brett Pesci, all guys who they would like to keep dougie hamilton's contract is up is up at the end of this year and so they may or may not re-sign him who knows what happens there he's only 20 i thought dougie hamilton was like 40 and he's only 27 (laughs) um but so hayden flurry jake bean are guys who could potentially move in in this offseason i think they're sort of building block defensemen yeah they're they're young guys who will be good somewhere but it just doesn't with the expansion draft coming it just doesn't make a lot of sense for carolina to lose one or both of them for nothing so Mm -hmm. um, i think we could see one of them moving i would love to see the red wings swoop in for jake bean i think he's a left-sided defenseman which we don't have much of um, Mm. in our system but also teams who need maybe that lower level defensive help right now. Like they need a third line guy right now, but 
Hayden Flurry or Jake Bean can grow into like a second line, third, first pairing guy. So guys like Vegas, Dallas, mm-hmm. who already have good teams, but could stash a really good defenseman on their third line for now and like let and let him grow. And also is probably needs to prepare to lose some of their more de- expensive defensemen at some point. Yes. And then finally, every player on every team that is either going into or is already <laughs> in a rebuild. I'm not even going to get into the potential guys who can get traded here. Yeah. Chicago has several. Chicago, Ottawa, Detroit, the Predators should probably start a fire sale. So they should have a bunch of guys available. Uh, the Sharks would be if they had any tradable contracts. <laughs> yeah. It's like the the Sharks are like a, a really expensive it's like when you buy a really expensive pair of jeans we're talking like 250 dollars jeans and you wear them out one night and then you rip the ass out of them yeah i was gonna say you just spend a lot of money on ed hardy jeans and then they go out of style no uh was ed hardy ever in style for some people for white trash yeah and and yeah it's that's uh, that's a a white (laughs) trash clothing brand i remember i took my mom into an ed hardy store once in the mall of america just because we walked by it and she was like what the fuck is this yes yeah is is it still is it still there does it still exist i don't know i hope not um nothing like bedazzled skulls to just (laughs) make me want to buy something (laughs) but yeah the, the sharks remind me of an estate sale but everything's too still too expensive they were just that rich when yeah. they were alive, but now they're dead. <laughs> the Predators need to sell off everything for parts. Everything. I, that's just, I don't even know who you keep besides maybe Philip Forsberg. Like, uh, Honestly, I think Philip Forsberg is one of the guys who is most likely to be traded. I think he's a he's their most desirable asset. Yeah, uh, it's possible. Speaking of the Predators, the Predators are dead. Oh, yeah. They are D-E-D dead. All of their people are hurt, and they already sucked. So they currently have Matt Duchesne, Ryan Ellis, Luke Kunin, UC Saros, and Lucas Bisa on IR. They are absolutely terrible as a team. They can't score. They're they're good against the Red Wings. Their metrics are awful. I mean, we just kind of talked about it, but that is a team that needs to be just a fire sale. Like they need to start over. It's going to be hard because they have a bunch of contracts that are really long term. Honestly, if Ryan Ellis hadn't been hurt, I would have thought he would have been one of the guys more likely to move because his deal, like he's still an incredibly good defenseman and he's only $6.2 million a year. Mm-hmm. But like, you're not trading Matt Duchesne. Roman Yossi is possible to trade, but he's got a mm. huge contract. You're yeah, not trading Ryan Johansson. He's kind of the heart of the team too. But Saros, you know, doesn't look like the... He's World definitely beater not the that answer. we thought, you know, he was going to grow into. And, and Pecorine is now over the hill. There's going to have to be a reckoning. They have a come to Jesus moment coming. Mm. They have been for probably the last 10 years or six, seven years. They have been like the portrait of Dorian Gray. <laughs> and it's been perfect and pristine and beautiful and regal and handsome. And now it's got all the warts on it. Mm. Now it's old, it's decrepit, it's gray, it's just bleh. Now that portrait, you got to throw it on the fire. You got to move forward. (laughs) You got to start your life over. You got to reclaim your youth. You just got to take the uh, garage sale sticker gun and go around the locker room and just put prices on people's heads. (laughs) Luke Coonan. 25 cents. No? Oh, damn. 
So the, the predators are dead. You know what else isn't dead? What? Fucking bigotry in hockey. <laughs> Even though we wish it would die, it, it's still not dead. Oh, and oh, is it just alive and well? Well, I don't know. I, I think there have been some inroads made to either expose it or get it to go away. Uh, you know, it, I would not say it's well. It's alive and sickly and making aggressive grasping for air. Well, we'll debate that. So we've recently seen some hockey players make some questionable decisions on social media. Shocked face. Yeah, this is my shocked face. That isn't all that surprising because hockey players are humans. Humans make stupid decisions on the Internet. If anything, I'm almost kind of more amazed that we don't see more of this. Recently, Thomas Grice posted an RIP post to Rush Limbaugh on his social media. (sighs) I think we have a couple of times joked about Rush Limbaugh in the past Mm -hmm. about how we're pretty thrilled that he's dead. (laughs) Thomas Grice is sad. Thomas Grice is so sad that he posted an RIP message to Rush Limbaugh on his social media. Now, before we continue, I will say this. Evan and I are not saying you can't be conservative. No. We're not saying you can't have conservative views. What we are saying is you can't support bigotry, racism, homophobia, transphobia. You can't support those things and still like expect people to not talk some shit about you on a podcast that nobody listens to. (laughs) You You can't expect to be a NHL role model. And also, you know, support those bigoted views. Thomas Grice has in the past, and before we continue, Thomas Grice is a German. Big to know. (laughs) In the past, during the election of Donald Trump, Thomas Grice liked a post that compared Hillary Clinton to Adolf Hitler. Now for, (sighs) yes, big side. (laughs) For an American to like a post or post a post comparing Hillary Clinton to Adolf Hitler is bad. One, learn some fucking history. (laughs) Two, you're probably a neo-Nazi. Three, you're wrong. Uh, Say what you want about Hillary Clinton's like actual political missteps or, you know, her sort of unlikability. Fine. But, you know, to say, yeah, she's Hitler. Like, that's just it's not. It's not creative. It's she, not interesting. It's, it's just kind of stupid. It's a, an attempt at God winning an argument that doesn't that backfires. Mm-hmm. And also, she never put nine million people on train cars and exterminated them systematically. Mm-hmm. So, for an American to like a post like that is shows ignorance, stupidity, blah blah blah. Not blah blah blah. Shows you're you're fucking ignorant. But twat. it's it's to be expected from our educational system. Yeah, where we don't teach people anything but what the things that we want them to learn. Yeah. Or actively teach them falsehoods. Yeah. <laughs> In the case. Did, of- did you know Christopher Columbus was a fucking rad dude? <laughs> <laughs> discovered America. Did you, you know that Robert He discovered e- it. Did you know that Robert E. Lee wasn't a racist at all? No. And and well, dad gum. <laughs> You know what we should do? Put up some statues for both of them. (laughs) So Thomas Grace, however, is a German. And if you don't know much about history, like you know enough, you don't know enough to not like a post that compares Hillary Clinton to Hitler. 
the Germans should fucking know. Also, you know, that's something that they deal with very actively in German society still to this day. They yes. have laws against Hitler glorification and uh, Nazi messaging that we don't have because freedom they, of speech. Well, no, they still technically have pretty much the same freedom of speech that we do. But they have these special laws because of this thing that happened, you know, 80 years ago or so. Yeah. You know, 1933 to 1945-ish. Somewhere in there. Yeah. So, Thomas Grice knows full fucking well about the history of Hitler. And he knows better than to fucking post or to like something that compares anybody in in the rest of history, except for maybe Joseph Stalin, to Hitler. Yeah, or Pol Pot or whatever. But it's like... Yeah, Pol Pot's pretty shitty. For somebody with such a fun name, he shouldn't have been such a piece of shit. Oh, yeah, for real. Like, (laughs) We're not going to get into Cambodia genocide here, but it's fucking bad. You couple this with, and I'm not going to say that Thomas Grace is a Nazi. I'm not going to say that. I don't have a picture of him goose-stepping. I don't have video of him at a neo-Nazi, like Unite the Right rally. I don't have any of that. What you do have is a picture of him with a goalie mask. Uh, wearing a goalie mask where the, the two S's in his last name are deliberately made to look like the Waffen SS lightning symbol. And even like curiously placed. Curiously placed and Very in a near. different font mm-hmm. from the rest of his name on the helmet. And you know what he would say to that? I'm just trolling the libs, dude. Oh. Well, guess what? He fucking got me. So, again, not saying Thomas Grice is a Nazi. However, in a recent article in a German newspaper, the German national team coach came out and said that Thomas Grice has not played for the national team since 2017 and is not welcome to play for his home country anymore because he, quote, unquote, isn't compatible with their team's values. Wow. That says that there's some extremism going on. If you are banned from your national team for your political views that aren't compatible, Mm -hmm. you got some extremist shit going on. And now I'm fucking pissed that he's a Red Wing. You know, uh, GMs make mistakes. I wish I had known that when I banged the drum for the Red Wings to sign him this summer. (laughs) We're all learning about these things. You know, I, I will admit that you know you know, considerably more about hockey than I, but, uh, you know, yeah, we're both learning things about the league still and, and the backstories of players because we're more interested in it now. And of course that's going to be one of the kind of things that comes up. I mean, not like anybody that plays for the team I root for has any problematic history or, you know, the team itself. Yeah. The Chicago Hockey Club. Yeah, not at all. Has a problematic problem with their fucking mascot. So what what this means is what since I'm now on the Jake Bean and Rasmus Ristolainen and to Detroit trains, mm-hmm. I got to do a d- deep dive. <laughs> I got to figure out like if you're just going to find out that Jake Bean is actually related to Sean Bean. Like that's the only that's cool. that yeah. Okay. Awesome. I love Sean Bean. Yeah, who doesn't? Meanwhile, in fucking Texas. <sighs> Jamie Ben exists. Yeah. And he's a pretty good hockey player. Mm-hmm. He's a questionable human being. He's done some performative things uh, to show up with some, you know, 
colored hockey tape and a colored NHL t-shirt. Which makes the next thing worse. Right. Fuck you, Jamie Ben, for liking a Candace Owens post that says that biological women can't compete or men can't compete in men's sports. You transphobic fuck. I mean, I agree that that's a hard conversation and a difficult thing for a lot of athletes to come to terms with, but Candace Owens sucks and she has nothing productive to say or offer the conversation. She's making tons of money with her sucking though. Besides, yeah, she's making a ton of money as a token mouthpiece for the sort of bigotry machine. I mean, as soon as we started talking about bigotry and hockey, it started raining in Portland. Oh, so that's kind of what bigotry does to our hockey experience. If you've been listening to us for the last couple of months, you know that Evan and I are, let's just say, anti this sort of fucking nonsense. Mm -hmm. And I try, I actually try pretty hard to not swear during most of the recordings. (laughs) Me too. And then this shit happens. And I say shit and fuck a bunch of times because there is no room for hatred hatred of any kind except for hating the colorado avalanche in hockey <laughs> except for hating your uh, your 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 rivals right so th- there's no r- there's no room for bigotry for hate speech for this like fucking neo nazi right wing contemporary again we're not saying you can't be conservative being conservative doesn't mean you hate transgendered people like you you can be conservative and not be full of hatred for the other it's it's entirely possible there are millions of americans who do it every day Mm -hmm. when you cross the line is when you hate somebody just for being different just for being other and like actively go out of your way to search out voices that also belittle and dehumanize those already marginalized voices so thomas grice and jamie ben like honestly like there's no room for your attitudes in the game of hockey Mm -hmm. and i hope that the blowback that has come across on the internet is enough for maybe even just one of them to maybe think it sounds like maybe Jamie Ben is a little bit closer than Thomas Grice with his yeah. Nazi helmet, but it's almost worse for Jamie Ben to do these performative things like do the, the pride tape and do the hockey is for everyone stuff and then go out and prove that he doesn't think hockey is for everyone. Like, and especially on a team that was one of the few teams that took a knee for the Anthem when hockey restarted last year after the George Floyd killing, you had members of your team actually that you are the captain of actually go out and say like this enough is enough. And as the captain of those players, you should have the guts and the wherewithal to one stand up for them, stand with them and two, learn what they're talking about, learn about their experiences and actually take that to heart so you can actually be a captain of men. You can't actually be a captain if you are actively antagonistic towards the lifestyles of other people that may affect your team. Yeah, and he has shown, like we said, some problematic things, but also, yeah, it's hailing now. Yeah. (laughs) Jamie Ben caused hail (laughs) in Portland. If there is any damage 
you can send the bill to Jamie Ben, <laughs> care of the Dallas Stars, who also made it a point to to put out a fucking statement about how they will always play the national anthem at their venue for their games. Fuck Dallas. Fuck that whole well, state. That was in response to Mark Cuban of the Dallas Mavericks quietly not playing the national anthem. Yeah, who nobody said anything until about. Until he said something. Until he said something. The Dallas Stars came out and were like, well, we're American. No, you're playing a Canadian game full of foreign players. <laughs> Hockey is not an American sport. It's a world sport. I mean, I... balls. Yeah, I have no problem with playing the national anthem. You know, I, I think maybe call me traditionalist, but I think you should just play the national anthem and, and call it that. I hate that it's become attached to all this jingoism and performative military BS because, you know, our military has invested millions and millions of dollars in doing so. You millions know, might be undercutting it. <laughs> right. Let's, I wish we could divorce the actual anthem from the jingoism, basically. You know, this, this fake patriotism that is actually just nationalism in disguise but i think you know it's also important to kind of like take stock of you know what what was done wrong what the problem is like and grade kind of the the uh, faux pas because i mean jamie ben has you know done maybe some performative stuff and also liked to post thomas grice liked to post but then he produced his own post which is exponentially more distasteful you know to to give a uh, give a sad sob to rush limbaugh dying is exponentially worse in my mind than liking a post by Candace Owens, which is dumb and bad, but is also addressing a tough to deal with issue. Rush Limbaugh read the names of people who died from AIDS right. on air while laughing. Yeah, absolutely. Awful. He's a horrific human being while also probably high as balls on opioids and smoking a cigar that killed him and telling people that the cigar won't kill him or you. And that, Secondhand smoke is a liberal conspiracy. Yeah, coming up with an original post memorializing Rush Limbaugh is exponentially worse than just liking a post, in my opinion. I agree. That said, you know, if you like a dumb post, you should probably get your hand slapped for it on social media like Jamie Ben did. And hopefully, you know, maybe he learns from this. I mean, he's like a small town boy from Alberta, right? That's no excuse. No, but, you know, like we're all in the process of learning. Maybe he is too. That's being optimistic. I will fully admit yes. that. Let's talk about some fun stuff. How about we talk about Kirill Kaprizov? Oh, yeah. That, you mean the future Calder winner, that, Kirill Kaprizov? Yeah, this is, our, this is our segment on the Calder Trophy, and it's called, it's probably Kirill Kaprizov. I don't understand at this point how it could be anyone else. You know, like I started doing all this research and like putting stats together and stuff, and it's like, no, no. Eh, just eye test and a Numbers. the stats don't lie. <laughs> he's been playing in Minnesota for two months and he's already the most exciting player to ever play for the Minnesota Wild, which is not saying much. But also it also begs the question, like, should he be also considered a rookie? He's a 23 year old former professional from Europe. So he's that good. He's that we're NHL looking rookie. at. Right. He's that good that, that people are legitimately wondering if the Calder conversation should be amended somehow. But yes, it, it, it's off the charts. And the only kind of distant second would probably be Kevin Lankinen for the Blackhawks as a rookie goaltender, who is also relatively old and yeah. played a lot of hockey. If we're talking about young guys, it's probably 
Josh Norris, I think, mm-hmm. or Tim Stutzel. Stutzle. What a boring <laughs> Calder race. And this actually ends up, I think, being the most boring Calder race that I can remember because it's so very obviously uh, Kaprizov at this point. Like and you watch his highlights and, and watch him play hockey, and it sort of seems like Minnesota has found a Patrick Kane-level playmaker out of nowhere. His highlight with the sort of behind the net, behind the back pass was amazing, and, and he looks like maybe the best skater in the league or one of the best one skaters of for sure yeah. in the league. it's a boring race his play is not boring his play is out of this world and has reinvigorated minnesota into an exciting team an where they've been watchable team yeah, for the first been time in my life boring as hell for years it's where they turned a talent like miko koivu into a boring a checking center, center. <laughs> and uh it's nice to see i'm happy for my relatives in minnesota that get to watch them and are probably going to be able to watch his career for years all right so we're going to do a kind of quick trip through some nhl headlines here and then we've got we're gonna we're gonna round this out with some fun Mm -hmm. fun for me i don't know if it's gonna be fun for evan (sighs) on the hot seat here so walter gretzky passed away this week we were very sad to see that i didn't realize that Wayne gretzky's dad was still around so learned a little bit about him and apparently he was you know one of these really nice dads of hockey i mean he sort of considered canada's dad a lot of people were effusive with stories about his famously kind and magnanimous nature pk suban posted a cute picture of him with you know meeting mr gretzky as a kid and it was sad to see Wayne have to give a eulogy, but it's it's a, a sad day for Wayne Gretzky and his family and also for Canada as somebody who you don't think of a hockey dad as the guy who becomes one of these just like most visible people in a sport in a country. Mm-hmm. But when you're the dad of the greatest non-Steve Eiserman hockey player of all time and you are, you know, very visible, there are plenty of players who have come up through Canada whose parents were just, you know, they were their parents. But Walter Gretzky was something more than that. And I think that is attributed to his kind, open nature. He was generous with his time. He wanted to be around hockey and wanted to be part of the kind of the ethos or the the fabric of the sport, especially in Canada. Mm-hmm. And I think when you see so many players come out with effusive praise for a guy who wasn't their dad. Wayne's been out of the league for 20 years now, and these are players who were like six or mm-hmm. two or whatever when Wayne was still playing. And you still get these quotes from kids who who came up playing hockey in Canada, who met him, who he had time for them, regardless of whether they were like this insane prospect or they were just some somebody like, tying up their skates for the first time and And he was said to be like a you know a fixture at rinks and around bradford ontario where he lived you know people loved him there and and they will undoubtedly miss him heavily goodbye to him and and congratulations on a life well lived so someone we also said goodbye to this week was fred saskamoose one of the first indigenous nhl players who passed away this week at 86 from covid complications He only played 11 games in the big show for the Blackhawks in 1953, but you talk to anyone and they'll tell you those games were outsized for their importance in the indigenous community and for indigenous hockey players that have come after him. He was awarded the Order of Canada in 2018 and served for a time as the chief of the Atakakup Cree Nation and developed sports programs for youth, including a hockey team for First Nations teams called the Chief Thunderstick Championship. He has a memoir 
forthcoming soon, which is kind of a bummer that he passed away before it was out and, you know, he could really drum up support for it. It's called Call Me Indian, From the Trauma of Residential School to Becoming the NHL's First Treaty Indigenous Player. And it's about his story, born in 1933 and attended one of Canada's infamous residential schools for Indigenous youth that basically tried to reprogram them into not being Indigenous. There he found and immersed himself in hockey and worked his way up to have his kind of cup of coffee in the NHL, shall we say. He seems like this super nice guy who played a a role similar to Walter Gretzky in the development of a lot of youth players. And uh, there's a story that I read that they got together 300 people in a theater last year to watch one of his first games of the Blackhawks. And he just like shot up out of his seat with glee when he first gets on the ice in this game. And they just like watched him play for 60 minutes or however long he was actually in the ice. He's a trailblazer. And I'm glad that the story focused on him in the New York Times. And that was brought to my attention. And, and you know, I got to learn about his great story and what he's brought to the NHL and hockey in general as a trailblazer from indigenous communities. Shifting to on the ice craziness this week. We saw several questionable hits From and questionable people and questionable penalties or not penalties or uh, suspensions, fines handed out. So we'll start with Tom Wilson's big hit on Brandon Carlo, which was in my mind, you know, a blatant headhunt, but it was relitigated very carefully by the NHL to be boarding. <laughs> <laughs> if this was any other player, we'd probably be, I was a dirty hit. They need to get suspended. Hopefully they learn. This Tom is Wilson, Tom Wilson. Who has been suspended many times. This is now his fifth suspension. For awful hits. You know, this doesn't even rank in his awful hits because the canon of those is really, really bad. He's been on good behavior, relatively speaking, for the last 18 months or so, which makes this suspension, I guess, somewhat lessened. But he had an in-person hearing with the league and that's for six plus game suspensions we got a seven game suspension Mm -hmm. and i agree with you though that it should have been more it should have been 10 plus hockey is a physical game and Mm -hmm. it is inherently dangerous not only are you allowing humongous human beings to skate around at 20 to 25 miles an hour on knives on knives with a weapon And you are containing that in a physical barrier that allows people to be driven into. (laughs) It's an inherently dangerous game. Mm -hmm. We have heard, especially in the United States, we have learned a lot about CTE from NFL players. And while the kinds of hits to the head that you see in the NFL are largely different from what you see in the NHL and in hockey, you still have a lot of concussion issues in the NHL. For example, how many more years of Eric Lindros should we have had? Oh, yeah. Being being a tyrant in the NHL. And by tyrant, I mean just like destroying fools. Pat LaFontaine, we lost almost a year of Sidney Crosby's career to concussions, to savage hits. There shouldn't be, especially for somebody like Tom Wilson, who has shown little to no restraint. And like his coach came out and tried to defend him. And it's like, no, like just say he acted like an asshole and he should be suspended like an asshole. I don't understand why we need to defend these people anymore. I think, you know, Laviolette could have been matter of fact and just said, yeah, it's a bad hit. We support our player. We're sorry for Brandon Carlo and we wish him a speedy recovery. Yeah. And also that penalty galvanized, or it wasn't called a penalty on the ice, but all of a sudden Boston turned the switch on and shit stomped him. So that's probably a better penalty than any 
minor or major that could have been assessed. That said, it should have been a call on the ice. And Jesus Christ, why are we missing so many of these calls that should be obvious? It's not like it was away from the puck. It was right in front of people, yeah. You know, kudos to Trent Frederick and Jared Tenorti. Jared Tenorti, who was playing in his second game as a member of Boston, had just gotten claimed off of waivers because their defense is so decimated, <laughs> drove his truck from Nashville to Boston, playing in his second game, and showed up just in time to kick Tom Wilson's <laughs> he ass. He drove his truck right into Tom Wilson. <laughs> yeah, one could hope. This was a hockey play. It was just a bad and dirty hockey play. And it's going to be really interesting to see if the NHLPA goes to bat for him and tries to legislate down this suspension or not, because he's not exactly doing good things for other people's careers. In other news, we had a couple of vicious slew foots this week. We had Brett Pesci slew foot Robbie Fabry and get himself a 5K suspension. Yeah, it was so dumb. Robbie Fabry's going to the bench and Brett Pesci's trying to trip him up and it's a clear intent to injure. There's no place for that in the league. Kyler Yamamoto also slew foot Rasmus Anderson in a game last night. So we have that beauty going for us. Kyler Yamamoto has since been fined for his actions. And then we had Nathan McKinnon get hit in the head by a a rookie in his first game for San Jose. That one actually doesn't look inherently dirty. It just looks like a bad check and like McKinnon kind of turns into it. Mm -hmm. And McKinnon has his head down in the blue line and takes a high hit from rookie Joachim Blickfield, who I think he got two games suspension, but a lot of that was based on the fact that he comes from across the ice to hit McKinnon. Yeah, charging. In in good news, there there was some good news from this. Like I've spent the whole, like, I have a huge birthmark on my chest, and so I'm sure it's been bright red with how heated I've been this entire time. <laughs> Glowing. Yeah, it's it's radioactive at this point. In good news, there was some women's hockey this weekend. Oh, yeah. And it was a lot of fun. Um, it was super fun. The PWHPA, along with their, they're not teams, but their locales in Minnesota and New Hampshire. They did play some hockey games this week. We talked about this last week. They did play at Madison Square Garden last week. Mm -hmm. This week, they played in Chicago with the game yesterday, uh, March 6th, being at the United Center. It was broadcast nationally on NBC Sporting Sports Network, which was awesome to see for women's hockey. Yeah, very cool. Especially after we lost out on it with the NWHL having to close down for COVID. So, and it was some exciting hockey. There's obviously some incredibly talented players, Olympians and national team players. A lot of the best players in the world are involved in this PWHPA. And so it was really cool to see that level of hockey. I didn't get to watch the game that was in New York, so I didn't get to see the Brianna Decker kills everyone game where oh, yeah. she just destroying fools. <laughs> uh, but we did get to see some goals. Abby Rock, who like all of the old timers in the women's hockey diaspora are saying is going to be the best player in the world here in like two years. She opened the scoring on Saturday and looked incredible. I think we're going to see a lot of her in the in the years in the years that come. Mm -hmm. And so but the game was free flowing. It was kind of a boring game in that it wasn't in doubt for a large portion of it. It was three nothing for a good chunk of the game or two goals in the second. But credit to New Hampshire for scoring a goal in the last 10 seconds. Yeah. Like, <laughs> talk about playing full 60 minutes. That well, is that. Yeah, the way... And they did it. Yeah, the way that the PWHPA has set up these games is that you get points 
for certain things like scoring a lot of goals or for a shutout or Mm -hmm. a hat trick. So you get extra points added to your point total for the game. And so in a weekend series scoring that goal could have really meant something. Now they ended up getting destroyed today, six to two Mm -hmm. Minnesota won again, that one goal didn't end up playing part in it, but it really could have. So it it was really, that's why they're doing that like play to the whistle sort of mentality. Mm -hmm. Like even in a game that seems out of hand, that one goal could have meant a lot had today's result gone differently. So really cool to see the, uh, these women on the ice and kind of, there was an all female officiating crew, all female broadcast team, and an all-female in-house, Catherine Tappan and AJ Malesko. AJ Malesko did color and did the pregame with Catherine Tappan. So an all-female bonanza of like awesomeness is what I really would say. And so, yeah, it give us more of this. I think is what we would say. The only caveat is that everyone was was pretty white. You know, it would be nice to, yeah. to get nice to get a more diverse set of voices if that's possible. But the women's hockey professional community in terms of like broadcasters and officials and players is still pretty white. So they're, they don't have a whole lot to pull from, but I think if there's one step forward, it would be that, but give us more of this. It was fun to watch. It was good hockey. Yeah. It's a little bit too bad that team Minnesota slash Adidas was just that much better than the other team, but that happens. We were just talking about diversity in it, but it turns out that Abby Rock, uh, she grew up in the Wanapite First Nation community up in the UP in Michigan, near Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. Oh, cool. So it's really cool to see somebody coming from that background be part. And I honestly, I didn't know until just now. So Yeah. And you see her as a future star. When Kendall Coyne Schofield is saying, no, she will be the best player in the world. <laughs> I listen because <laughs> Kendall Coyne Schofield is maybe the best player in the world. Yeah, Kendall Coyne Schofield looked amazing out there. Well, she's playing in her hometown and they pointed out that she hadn't played at the United Center since she was like nine. Oh, really? Yeah. So what a really cool story for her to kind of come back to that at this point in her career. You're, you're very right. It's a very white sport, maybe even more white than the men's side of things. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully... Over time, we can see as the men's game diversifies, we can also see the women's game diversify. Overall, round of applause, and we want to see more. So speaking of round of applause, Brent Seabrook got one of those this week when he announced not that he's officially retiring, but that he will not play anymore. A soft retirement, if you will. And a soft adjustment of the Chicago Blackhawks salary cap. (laughs) That won't change all that much in that he was already on LTIR, right? What was kind of cool is he gave a press conference and I just kind of forgot how affable and funny he is. He's describing his medical issues and waking up and not being able to walk and also like in the same breath sort of makes fun of his skating and just sounds like a hockey dad. And then he's talking about, you know, after he announced this, like Duncan Keith is like his best friend. And so he said that Duncan Keith was like a dog at his side. He couldn't get away from him. (laughs) They did an interview with him during the last Hawks game and he chokes up and it's hard not to take one right in the feels, you know, seeing him actually hang it up. But yeah, he he said that he just couldn't skate anymore. He said that there's not really any cartilage left in one of his hips and went and practiced with the taxi squad. And he'll have a good skate and then like not be able to get up the next day or that. So it sucks that he won't be able to enjoy hockey in retirement, but thank you for those three Stanley cups and all the roles you played. I would say he scored some of the most critical goals 
in those Stanley Cup runs. One to send the Bruins packing in game seven, a couple to just like keep them alive when you didn't think they were going to score to stay alive. For some reason, he always found himself in that spot. So for a relatively defense first defenseman, what an amazing career and uh, wishing the best in retirement and hopefully playing shinny and ice fishing won't be too hard on that hip. Yeah. Godspeed to Brett Seabrook's career and to him and his, the thing about being a professional athlete is you retire, but you have a lot of life ahead of you. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully in his retirement, he's able to enjoy it, get whatever surgeries or medical attention he needs to be able to, you know, live a long life that is relatively pain-free and you know we wish him you know despite the fact that he's a member of the chicago hockey team (laughs) you know happy trails it is with i am so enthusiastically happy about this any chance i get to put evan in a precarious position where he is uncertain of himself i take it probably stealing this kind of gimmick from puck soup a little bit and that's okay because it's a lot of fun yeah and they've inspired a lot of what we do anyways so so here we we're gonna play our our inaugural game and this is i think this will probably become a thing mm-hmm. as we move forward there'll be different variations of the game or a game but this is going to be the first one this week's game is i'm going to say a name Mm -hmm. And they are either a hockey coach, an NHL hockey coach. In the NHL system or NHL proper? NHL history. Okay. Or a boxer. The dog or like a... A a human boxer. A human that hits other humans in the face. A pugilist. Ah, okay. Or a racehorse. Ah, all right. So if he gets all nine correct, he gets the grand prize. If he gets six to eight correct, he gets second prize. Three to five right. He gets third prize. And if he gets none through two, so one or two correct, I get to shame him. <laughs> more than usual. Yes, more than usual. I just like that you went with uh, eternal shame. So oh, I, yeah. I need to get three right to get out of eternal shame. I yeah. think that's my realistic goal. If you get into that second prize range, I'm going to be really impressed. The flip side of the eternal shame thing is you might have my admiration for this. <laughs> like, we'll see. I'm, I'm, historically, I'm a good test taker, but I'm not filling in bubbles here. So we'll see. And I also specifically kept this Google Doc out of the podcast Google Docs, so oh, yeah, you didn't I, have a chance to see it. I hoped you were doing that. Just so you know, the, so every our listeners know, the prizes will be totally fake, but I'm going to make them up on the spot, so it should be fun. All, All right, right. Let's roll. Here we go. We, good luck to you. Thank you. The first one we're going to go with is Buddy Bear. Buddy Bear. Can I get a spelling? Of the last name? Yeah. B-A-E-R. Horse, boxer, or coach? I'm going to go with hockey coach. Buddy Bayer is a boxer. Ah. All right. So zero. We're sitting on zero. And and there's nine, right? Nine questions? There are nine, yes. Second one, Smarty Jones. That's a horse. Bing, 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 bing. I think I knew that. Yeah. I, I think I've like, is that a recent horse? I don't know. I just looked up. Human-esque horse names. <laughs> I, think I love Google. And most of them were like Jim and Todd. I'm like, no, I need a full name. So Smarty Jones. Oh, yeah. Smarty Jones was was a yeah popular horse in my lifetime. So, okay. okay. All right. So number three, you're one for two. Not bad. Mm-hmm. Mike McCollum. I'm going to go with hockey coach. You're wrong again. That is ah. a boxer. This boxer versus hockey coach is killing it's, me. It's it's going to get worse. 
Oh. Next one, Lester Patrick. I'm going to go with hockey coach. You are correct, sir. Yes. Two of four. Two of four. One more and you are out of eternal shame. I like my chances for making it out of eternal shame. You say that now. Going to try and get out of the river sticks here. Tommy Gorman. I'm going to go with man that has produced a lot of gore and old timey boxer. You're wrong. Damn it. Still in the eternal shame category. You are two, four, five. Hockey coach? He is a hockey coach. Tommy Gorman is a hockey coach. What, do you know anything about him? No, I thought about it, uh, like adding a bunch of history in here. But uh, then I was like, this script is already really long. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking about my future editing decisions. And I was like, nah, <laughs> we're good. All right. So beautiful Jim Key. Beautiful Jim Key. Yes. K-E-Y. I'm going to go with Boxer. You're incorrect. Damn it. Beautiful a horse. Jim Key is a horse. <laughs> uh, that one was 50-50 between boxer or horse. Oh, it could have gone either way. I agree. Because like, you know, sweet science calling somebody beautiful. But yeah, Jim Key. Yeah. I'm, I'm throwing some curveballs. Yeah. Out. These are these are really good. Some are these obvious. Are very hard. Some are, some are obvious. Some are not obvious. So I'm. You have. You are at two, four, five. I believe we have one, two. Sorry. You are two for six. Okay. We have three left. Three left. So I have three chances to make it out of eternal damnation. Yes. Ike Cordy. That sounds like a hockey coach name. You're wrong. What? That is a boxer. <sighs> We're getting down to the nitty gritty. I know. Right? I'm. I've, <laughs> this is so much fun. I've, I feel like the fucking like Atlanta Falcons trying to hold off the Patriots here. I am also now worried at, with how much fun I'm having. I'm worried about when the tides are turning. <laughs> And embarrassing myself and my family. <laughs> All right. The next is Gus Lisnevich. All right. That's either a hockey coach or a boxer. I'm going to go with that's not a racehorse name. I'm going to go with hockey coach. Oh, boxer. Jesus Christ. That sounds like a hockey coach name, yeah, if I, ever. I, I, you are, hey, I, you're um, writing a harder test than the ACT. Yeah. You, you're 33 on the ACT means nothing here. <laughs> All right. So this is your final chance. I know. Jeez. Will I live in a terminal damnation forever? Punch Imlock. Really? Punch Imlock. This is either a gimme or a red herring. <sighs> I saved the best for last. Punch Imlock. I can spell Imlock. If can I like. get it used in a sentence? <laughs> uh, Punch Imlock is maybe a human or maybe a horse. <laughs> <laughs> Punch Imlock. Like, I just want to go with like the funny answer. Cause I feel like I'm going to be wrong no matter what, man, but eternal uh, shame is, I know this. I, I had such a good start there. You, you, uh, yes, you've fallen off the wagon, much like the Predators. Yeah. Uh, Punch Imlock. I'm going to go with Hockey Coach. You got it! (laughs) Yay! All right. I mean, I I feel like we know what kind of style of hockey he coached. (laughs) I I hope it's the pugilistic kind. Actually, it was beautiful European passing. Yeah. (laughs) He's actually 
Slovakian royalty. <laughs> I don't know. All so right. I made it out of eternal shame into Just the third prize. By the by the scruff on your chin, yeah. you made it into the third prize. Now, do you want to know what the third prize is? Well, first of all, I want to give you uh, mad props for putting this game together. <laughs> that was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Those names were something. Yeah. I went through a list of 1940s hockey coaches. Uh, okay. And ni- er, no, 1940s boxers. And then just like went through a list of hockey coaches. And yeah. So again, scared for when the tables are turned, but. I think it's a good first step. It's all about the friends you make along the way. It's not about the prize. (laughs) Well, in this case, you get a a fake prize. What is my fake prize? That fake prize is a sunny day in Portland. You'll never see another one until June. However, (laughs) this sunny day in Portland will be brought to you by a cold front that comes in off of the coast that will produce some sort of effect that is meteorological that will give us one day of sun here in the Portland metro area someday not at your choosing, but when you least <laughs> expect it, it'll show up out of nowhere. It'll always be like the busiest day of work. Yes, you will be stuck at your work desk for seven to ten hours of that of that beautiful sunny day. But then just as you are able to get away from your desk to release the shackles of your the work hell beast, it will rain. And <laughs> you will not get to taste that sweet sustenance of sun. Because let's let's face it, third price is not very good. So yep. you do get to witness that sunny day through the windows. You can even press your hand up against the window to feel <laughs> its warmth and coziness, but you will not get to experience it. Congratulations on a job poorly done. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, everybody. I'd like to thank the Academy. No, I would like to thank you. That was really fucking fun <laughs> and really funny. And, you know, with the difficulty of those answers, I don't actually feel bad only getting three of nine correct. No, that was rough. That was that was real tough. If you had gotten six to eight, I was going to be really impressed. No, yeah. That, I feel like, you know, between some 50-50s, I could have probably got up to five. But, yeah, six to eight, That I don't think that was going to be possible. Uh, well, <laughs> with Don't worry, that, I... I It's more fun being in the hot seat than it is stressful. (laughs) All right. Well, with that, folks, thank you for listening. We really we're having a great time bringing you these these podcasts. And thank you so much for listening, taking time out of your day to throw us on on a car ride or while you're ignoring your coworkers, (laughs) uh, wherever that might be. We are super thrilled to have you on this journey with us and you know thanks for sticking around and sticking with us yeah we are available at handsomehockey.com at handsome hockey podcast on instagram and handsome hockey on twitter or at handsome hockey pod at gmail.com or on the handsome hockey facebook page and you can find us anywhere you can listen to a podcast we're on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, amazon Podcasts, stitcher tune in overcast and red circle as we slip away from this episode, we just want to once more say thank you for listening and everybody out there, stay handsome. Restez beau, tout le monde.